Tyler's message this morning, Are You Living the Dream? Have you ever heard or maybe even said it when, when, when somebody asks you, how you doing? Well, I'm just living the dream. And I, I think a lot of times we don't mean it so much as we say that with a little sarcasm in her voice. And if we're all honest this morning, I think all of us has had dreams before in our lives, and some of them got crushed. But perhaps some of them, some of you have even had a God dream come true, and uh, that's the best kind. And that, what kind of dream was it? Was it a God dream, a dream born out of prayer about your life in Christ and His body, the church, and how you can be involved in bringing that God dream to fruition? In 1993, there was a movie entitled My Life. It was released. And for those of you that cry at movies, it was about a nine on the cry at movie scale. And I am such a sad person sometimes when I watch these movies because I cry. And I've told you this before. At the end of the movie, Babe, when the pig won the contest, when Mr. Hoggett said, that'll do, pig, I broke out in uncontrolled sobs. (laughs) That is sad. That is sad. I hate to tell that story on myself, but it's true. Man, I was so happy for that stinking pig. But anyhow, isn't that crazy? Well, this movie's not that happy. I'll tell you why. It starts out with this little boy, and I'm going to show you a clip that kind of explains that. But he prays to God that he'd come home from school, and there would be a full-blown circus in his backyard. And he believes in God that much that it's going to happen. And you'll see here in a minute, but he comes home, and there's no circus, and He's upset with God, and he's upset with his parents. And as this story goes on, he, uh, he shames his... He, he, he was so upset with the whole concept that maybe it affected his whole life to a degree because then he grew up and he shunned his parents. He didn't want anything to do with them. And, and uh, he moves away, cut all ties with his family. His wife becomes pregnant, and he's diagnosed with extreme radical cancer, and he's going to die before that baby gets big enough to know him. So that's the bulk of the movie, is he's making a video to show this boy when he gets old enough to understand that, how it is. But in this clip, we see that at the end of it, his dream does come true. So let's, let's, let's watch this. It's kind of self-explanatory. Starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight. I wish I may, I wish I might, as you wish, I wish tonight. Dear God, please, please, I wish for there to be a circus in my backyard tomorrow afternoon when I come home from school. Not a fake circus, a real circus with clowns and acrobats and everything. If you do this, I'll tell everybody. You'll be on television, and you'll be in the newspapers, and you'll get more money for church. Please, God, please, make this come true. All right, now, children, I want you to tear a page neatly out of your notebooks. Copy the address down, just as Brad is writing it here on the board, right? Oh, isn't this exciting? <laughs> How many children have relatives in the circus? I bet your regular teacher wishes she was here today. Yeah, and there's going to be clowns and trapeze and horses and everything. All in your backyard. <laughs> isn't that thrilling? Yeah, and everybody from school gets in free. <sighs> nice. Now, children, I want you to be sure and write down the time, all right? It's 3.30. Can you write that?
the circus? Where is the circus? I don't know. It was supposed to be here. It was supposed to come. sometimes we get a little upset with God because things don't come out maybe like we wanted or in our time schedule, but in all the years that I've followed Christ, I've, even in my impatience, I've been taught from Him that my time has nothing to do with it. It's God's time, and His time's not our time. It's a little different sometimes. In my own life, I had a God dream that came true after 14 years. In 1984, Diana and I and Stacy and Joshua got a call from God to leave Casey Westfield and move 350 miles north to pastor our first church uh, at Freeport, Illinois, Laurel Street. And uh, that's where I got hooked up with uh, Steve's father, uh, drinking coffee at this place every morning. And uh, we became great friends and brothers in Christ. And that's kind of how that worked out. And it was his fault that I ate a big sausage sandwich every day and clogged my arteries and had to have a heart stand. But uh, I'm pat- I like to blame people for stuff. 
I'd go in there and John say, you going to eat that sausage today? I said, amen, brother. Bring it on. <laughs> so, anyhow, um, I was there seven years, and then we went, God called us to Mount Carroll for seven. But, but the point I, I want to make in all this, that those first seven years at, at, at Freeport, God, God had, had given me a vision of this. I didn't know when, where, or how it was going to work out, but I, I knew that this would work, that, that God could create a, a church where did, people did sit around tables and chairs and could have coffee and, and donuts and whatever, but it, 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 nobody else caught that vision. And I, I think sometimes with, with pastors, maybe we get a little rammy and we, we come in someplace and we want people to catch that vision immediately, and it's, it's a slow process. So God opened the door after 14 years. I had signed up for a uh, church planning school with the Illinois Conference. We was going, to, was going down to Atlanta, Georgia to this conference and learn how to plant churches. Not that I was going to do it, but the fact is that I wanted our denomination to do it actually at that time. So. I go to Atlanta, Georgia, and I didn't get to even stay with the guys I was with. They put me in a, a room with a guy from some unknown part of the world called Duggar, Indiana. Man, I'd never heard, I liked the name. I thought it was a cool name, but I didn't have a clue where it was at. His name was Ronald Lucas. We were in the same room, and I had developed a pretty good cold, and he force-fed me vitamin C so much that I thought I was going to turn into an orange. Every 20 minutes, hey, take these 15 pills. So I'm not kidding you. I went through a whole bottle of, of vitamin C. I was orange. My skin was, was starting to turn orange before I got out of there. But I, it might, I think it helped me. I think it did. So he, he shared his dream with me. He said, God has kind of been laying this on my heart that, that we could start a church in Sullivan, Indiana, and, and, and it would be successful. God had or he told him that as well. So... We talked back and forth and called each other, and uh, him and Cindy jumped in their motor home and come up to Bloomington, Illinois, and Diane came down, and I came down and met with them, and we kind of cemented the deal, and so we moved to Sullivan in December of 1997, and we got an apartment uh, on the south side of the square, up, up over uh, Tyndall's, actually, kind of in that, in that area, and uh, we lived there, and uh, it's amazing how noisy that is on the square with all the cars. And uh, I get a little, I tell crazy stories, but I always tell this story. It was dark in there. There wasn't any windows, so if you, you know, you shut the light off, it, there was, it was dark. I, I was going to hang from the ceiling like a bat before it was over with. But anyhow, I knew I was in trouble when I seen a cockroach coming down the hall with a roll of toilet paper on its back. That's exaggeration, I know, but it was pretty much pretty close to that, actually. I'm not kidding you. Gee whiz. So that, that, is, why, that is why I appreciate my wife so much, because she put up with that. And we st stayed there till God opened up a, a door, and we got a house, and on and on. So on October 4th, 1998, Crossroads was born. The dream came true. A dream that I had had in my heart for uh, pretty close to... 14 years, and, and God made it happen. So I could say this this morning, that if you ask me how I'm doing as far as in the context of the church, I can say with all confidence, I'm living the dream. You guys are my dream. 
You guys, in a sense, are my opus, if you remember Mr. Holland's opus. That, that's who you, it's who you are. It's who, who God created in my mind and heart all those years ago, and it, and it, came, it came to pass. Well, what about you? Those of you that are part of Crossroads, are you living your God dream? That is, the, that is the whole basis or the big idea. It's the whole question this morning that I am asking you for you to answer before you leave this building this morning. These dreams come from God and are born in prayer, which is our communication with God. In John 14, Jesus is telling his disciples that he's not going to be around much longer. He's telling him, I'm going home to the Father. I'm going to go home to the Father and sit down at his right hand, and I'm going to be making intercession for you. So when you pray in my name, I tell it, I turn to the Father and, and express that. I'm his sin filter, if you will. It goes through Jesus to God the Father because God cannot look upon sin. So this is what he's telling him and what he expects from them which translates to today and what God expects from you and I as well as his children. John 14, I, I have a favorite scripture, but I use this and probably the most. I use this a lot on going home celebration services for people because it makes so much sense. Don't be troubled. You trust God, now trust in me. This is starting with verse 1. There are many rooms in my Father's home, and I am going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly when everything is ready... I will come and get you so that you will always be ready with me where I am. When I'm ready for you, I'll come and get you. I always like that concept that someday God the Father will turn to Jesus the Son and say, Eddie has caused enough trouble on earth. It's time to bring him home. And then we get into Thomas's doubt. Verse 4, Jesus said, and you know where I'm going and how to get there. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We haven't any idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. It's my foundation. It's my bedrock. It's everything that I believe about Christ and God's word is filtered through this verse. It answers all the questions for me. When people will say to me, well, what about the Buddhists? What about the Hindus? What about the Muslims? I'll tell you what it says. They can get in the kingdom, but it has to be through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Great, big, absolute words painted in black. No one can come to the Father except through me. That is all my faith is built on this, this verse. The truth is, and starting in verse 12. No, I'm sorry. I, gotta, I, go, I go back. Verse 7. If I had known who I am, if you had known who I am, then you would have known who my Father is. From now on you know him and have seen him. And then in verses 12 through 14. The truth is, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, because the work of the Son brings glory to the Father. Yes, ask anything in my name, and I will do it. In verse 12, Jesus slowly resumed the main current of his teaching. He wanted to give the disciples some peace that 
And to understand that he's not disbanding them, he is sending them out on a mission that he wasn't going to leave them. And we know that when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, that happened. The Spirit came down and took over, and now is the heartbeat of the church. Here's what's interesting about Christ. When, when he preached, it talks about people coming to him, but when Peter preached, 3,000 people came to Christ on the day of Pentecost. Jesus never had that many converts. But he, got, the, he, got, a, he got, a, got it going. He got multiplication going in the disciples. And that's what he's trying to tell them, that my gospel will not only be for here, that it will spread throughout the known world and beyond to the farthest reaches of the empire is what he's saying. That's why they went out to plant churches. That's why Paul did. And what's interesting, when we think about the scope of the gospel and how many countries that it's reached, there's not very many left. Jesus only spent his 33 years within the confines of Palestine. He never left those borders. But he put it into motion. Verses 13 through 15, the power of the disciples originated in prayer. Jesus could hardly have made more emphatic and a declaration and whatever they ask in his name, he would do. And he stressed the point the phrase, in my name, is not a talisman or a command or a supernatural energy. He didn't want to use as a magic lamp every time they wanted something selfish, actually, that it, that it was like the endorsement on a check. But it had to be consistent with his character and purpose. In prayer, we call on him to work out his purpose, not simply to gratify our selfish desires or our whims. The answer is promised so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. The disciples' obedience to him will be the test of their love as it is today. You can gauge how much you love Christ by how obedient you are. How often you do what the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and tries to lead you to do. That is, that is the test. It's obedience. Verse 14 said, yes, ask anything in my name and I will do it. He's talking to you and I here today. What have you asked for in Jesus' name? I think the point about this is it has to be in God's character, and it has to go along with his kingdom. And I think when we see this verse, I think sometimes we want to use it for our purposes. Case in point would be me praying this, Lord, I sure would look good on the seat of a fat boy Harley, preferably bright yellow. That's not asking, and I might say in Jesus' name, but that, you, see the, you see, I'm off base there. My prayer should involve what God wants as far as in the kingdom. You know, we ask for things, and I, I thought about this this morning, and a, a lot of times in the Acts prayer, A is adoration. Lord, you are a great God, and I adore you. Confession, Father, forgive me for my sins. Thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for giving me such a great church. The S is supplication. Here's the problem. In a lot of our prayers, the vast majority of our time is spent on the S. We're asking, we're asking, we're asking, we're asking, which is okay. But you've got you to divide that up sometimes, and all of our prayers can't be about asking. We've got to do these other things with God. And when we ask, it has to be in Jesus' name. It means more. Asking his name means more than tacking a required phrase on the end. It oughtn't to be taken lightly. We have to recognize the power of God's name. Here are four very important truths to always keep in mind when praying in Jesus' name. And the first one is this. Truth one, remember Christ's kingdom purpose. 
Everything that Jesus did aimed at bringing glory to God, and those who believe in his kingdom should do the same. Do your prayers fit with Christ's kingdom purposes? Do you pray God's dream prayers? Do you think you're living your God dream? And I, if not, I ask why. Truth number two, remember Christ's larger perspective. Christ considers our needs in the context of needs and desires of his larger family. He knows us individually, but responds to us in community. Do your prayers insist on your will being done, or do you seek God's will for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Truth number three, remember Christ's requirement to follow him. Because we're his obedient disciples, he promises to answer our prayers. Do your prayers flow from an obedient life? Are you doing what the Holy Spirit asks you to do on a daily basis? Are you willing to fulfill what God has already asked you to do, your God dream, to help bring that to fruition? Here's the fourth one, the last one. Remember Christ's promise of peace. Lack of peace stems from a prayerless life, not from unanswered prayers. Are you over-anxious to speed up God's timetable on your, for your benefit? His peace enables us to sort through our desires in order to discover what we really want Him to do. We are encouraged to bring our requests to God, even our desperate and fearful ones. And knowing in that whole concept, we do not hold out a hoop with our prayers and say, God, you need to jump through this. We've got that backwards. If there's any jumping going to be done it will be us that jumps through God's hoop. That's the way that it's supposed to be. Diane was sharing this with me this week, and we talked about it a little bit. How important and how sacred the name of God is. You realize when the scribes was, was writing the Scripture down, when they'd write Jehovah, they'd throw the pen away because it wasn't worthy to be used again. Fresh pen, new pen, every time with that name. And those of you that are texters, which probably all of us are, if you text at the end of your message, OMG, that is a sin. That is taking God's name in vain. Oh, my God. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't bring it out as an exclamation. You can say, oh, my God, my Lord and my Savior, I love you. Oh, my God, I'm going to lift these prayers up to you now, and I thank you for listening. But I just wanted to throw that in because I, I don't know if some people know that. To just use God's name like that is, is uh, it's, it's not a good thing. And as the Scripture tells us, it's sin. I, I just, it's my job to, to tell you the truth, and I wanted to tell you that this morning because some people do those things, and they don't think there's anything wrong with that, actually. Verses 12 through 14, the truth is all anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father you can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, because the work of the Son brings glory to the Father. Yes, ask anything in my name, and I will do it. It has to be done when we pray in Jesus' name, with Jesus' pur purpose and his purpose. The name of a person symbolizes his essence and destiny. We have the promise of answered prayer described in these verses if we understand properly the words in the context of Jesus' words. Jesus promised the disciples that they request concerning fruit bearing would be answered because it would bring glory to God. God's dreams are about building God's kingdom through the local church. 
Every follower of Christ has been called to bear fruit. I want to say that again. Every follower of Christ has been called to bear fruit. Supernaturally, he put a gift or gifts in each one of you, and you need to be using that. You all have talents. You have things that you do well. It doesn't have to be done within the context of this building. It needs to be done in the world, in life. But for heaven's sakes, do it. Do it for God. Whatever you do good, do that for God. That is the point. It's how the church grows. And people will say, why did you do this for me? Because I love Jesus and I want you to love him too. That is the point. In John 15, 9 through 17, Jesus talks about this. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey me, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father and remain in His love. I have told you this so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And those in life that have no joy, here's the answer right here. I command you to love each other in the, na- in the same way that I love you. And here is how to measure it. The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. Verse 14 You are my friends if you obey me. You see, there's no gray area there. It's as simple as the nose on my face. If you are my friends, if you obey me. I no longer call you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. Now you are my friends as I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name, I command you to love each other. Over and over and over again is the command to love. His first epistle, John would write later, John, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, there's the key, He hears us. And if we know that that, and if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. When Jesus says that we can ask anything in His name, remember it has to be according to His will and His purpose. And if we pray in that manner, your God dream will come true. Do you love your church? Do you have a, cro- a, a, a God dream for crossroads? Something that you would love to see happen here or a ministry that needs help or a ministry that needs started or something that needs done in this community. That could be your God dream. If that be the case and you've not really done anything about it, get hooked up with Kurt Howard and he'd be glad to talk to you about that and get you pointed in the right way. We need to ask in Jesus' name to make it happen and then you'll be prepared to help it happen. Being a church member is not a spectator sport. If you are a a big sports person and you like to watch it, when you watch basketball or baseball or football, you'll see people on the bench. You realize there's no benches in the church. There's no place where you just go set. We've all been called into action, whatever that might be. In 1998... We created a brochure about Crossroads to hand out to visitors. Here's what we dreamed in 1998. 
Our dream is to create a place where people care about other people. Where children are treated as a precious resource. Where God's love is demonstrated through acts of compassion. Where biblical truth is taught without compromise in a fresh, relevant, and authentic way. Where you and your time are treated with respect. Where the hard questions in today's culture are met head-on with honest answers. And here it is in 2018, and I ask you, how have we done to bring our God dream to fruition? Where will Crossroads be in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years? It's all up to you. Crossroad is your church. You are Crossroads. Would you please take Jesus' words to heart and put them into practice? John 14, again, 12 through 14. The truth is, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it because the work of the Son brings glory to the Father. Yes, ask anything in my name and I will do it. So pray God, God dream prayers for yourself, for crossroads, for your families, for your community, and for your world, and then live those God dreams. You all should have them. I appreciate the Headleys. They've hung in here pretty all, the whole time. And old Jake could <laughs> hardly pick them drumsticks up, but man, look at him now. He is an amazing drummer, and I appreciate you guys. You know, you think about that, I, I can get to crying as I, I think about all the people who have come through these doors in the last 20 years. And I praise God for you that you stuck, that there was something that made you stay. That your spirit bore witness with the Spirit of God and you caught part of that vision or all of it. And I will be forever indebted to you all. So we go now to prayer and I had this thought this morning that we ought to pray Behad dreams, B-H-A-D. Bodacious, hairy, audacious dreams. So that's what we need to do. I know that Jason has never word heard about a hairy dream before this morning, but uh, Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us, and we give you praise and glory for who you are. And these are amazing people in this room this morning. They're not average, Father, because they're your kids. And just by accepting you, Christ, you make us extraordinary because you, you Holy Spirit, you come in you do something miraculous in our lives. You change them and turn us into different people. Scripture says that we're new, new creations, new creatures, if you will. And with that, you have supernaturally placed within us a gift or gifts to use for you in this church, in this world, in this community, everywhere, actually. And you've talented these people. So I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, as we think about that, that each of us in our own life, we think about our God dream and what we'd like to see happen and how we can be involved in bringing that to bear, to pass. So right now, Father, I thank you again for loving us. And Holy Spirit, as you speak to each one of us this morning, may we be obedient and listen. And if there might be somebody here this morning that's never made that first step to accept you, that they can come down and we will show them how to accept Christ or you can accept him right where you're at by confessing your sins and repenting. But nonetheless, if you need some help, come on down if you need prayed with. I praise you and I give you glory this morning for we ask these things in the precious name of Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.